Welcome to Dollars and Cents with a couple of gents Making money moves with the finest of gents Come and pull up a seat cause we're proud to present How to make some good decisions when you're on the fence Rob and Steve gonna tell you how to do it the best Hello and welcome to another episode of Dollars and Cents with a couple of gents I'm Stephen Ellis And I'm Robert Wolfson And it's 2024 Amazing, time flies, can't believe it Yeah, time flies Christmas has come and gone in a flash and we're into the new year any resolutions, Steve? No, I actually haven't. We talked about this in my family the other day. We talked about goals, unnecessarily resolutions. According to my wife, they're different, although I can't really separate the two right. personally. I think they're the same thing. But um, no, not not particularly. We focus more on just making sure the kids had some, some goals for 2024. And, and Rob, as you know, as a parent... We often take a backseat to our kids when it comes to many things, including apparently coming up with goals for 2024. (laughs) What about yourself, Rob? Well, Steve, I was going to give up all my bad habits as well for the new year, but then I remember that no one likes a quitter. I think you should give up bad dad jokes in 2024. That should be your goal. Well, I do know one thing for sure, though, Steve. After Christmas, and I'm sure you're the same in your household, definitely the diet uh, and the and the willpower goes out the window a little bit, so a bit more alcohol, a bit more chocolate. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> so I decided I was my resolution is to lose 15 pounds. I only have 20 to go. <laughs> Here we go again. <laughs> Let me just reiterate: drop the the dad jokes for 2024. Yeah. But no, you're right, Steve. I mean, I I don't make a lot of New Year's New Year's resolutions myself either. And I think at the end of the day, like you should be trying to do things you want to do all throughout the year, not just because it's January and a new year. So definitely just try to be focused on your well-being the whole year round, not just because it's January and a new year. Who knew this was a self-help podcast? That's right. <laughs> anyway, Rob, with Christmas and New Year's, the holiday season behind us and your dad jokes continuing, uh, we wanted to take a bit of a chance to take a more serious turn. We did our typical fun holiday episode uh in the past we've done more than just the one but this year we did the one fun christmas episode so we wanted to just come back to some market related stuff obviously lots happening in the markets towards the end of 2023 and into the start of 2024 so we just want to touch on some key points some things that we've seen recently yeah 2023 steve was really interesting we had lots of volatility we had uh, September, October were traditionally uh, uncertain and more so on the downside that as usual, tip for whatever reason, volatility markets are usually bad during that time. But we did have a nice little run to end 2023, November, December, pretty much straight up nine weeks of up markets and definitely equities went on a mini bull run, especially the US stocks in particular, they ended December and 2023 near all time highs. And many sectors, especially technology and technology really led returns throughout the year. We're going to talk about that consumer discretionary communications. So really it was a great run, uh, widespread, lots of breadth of the market, not only in the U.S., but Canada as well. Yeah, Rob, as you alluded to, we'll talk a little bit more about tech because that's uh, not only interesting, but also important for people to have some perspective on. But before we get into any of that stuff, let's let's not ignore the bond markets. We often talk about how the bond markets kind of take a back seat. Uh, we saw some interesting moves in the bond market. We saw yields fall and prices rising for the second month in a row in December. That was really on optimism that the central banks have done enough to control and contain inflation. And Rob, as a result of the moves we've seen in the bond market, there's increased anticipation that rate cuts will come in 2024. 
That's a great point, Stephen. Really, the optimism in the bond market is really in conjunction with inflation continuing to come down. Of course, a couple of years ago, we had generational highs of inflation around 9% in the U.S., close to 8% in Canada. And we ended the year for U.S. at around 3.6% inflation, so definitely trending in the right direction, although still lots of work to go. And in Canada, we're around 3.1%. So we just need to continue to see those prices come down, which will give the Federal Reserve and the Central Bank of Canada uh, the optimism that the economy is heading in the right direction. Therefore, as you mentioned, uh, anticipating that rate cuts will come in 2024. And I'm sure a lot of borrowers out there are happy to hear that rates may come down next year. Rob, it's already next year. Oh, right. How many times do you do that where you... <laughs> yeah, early in the year, it's always hard yeah. to get your head around the fact that we're already into 2024. And when you write a date, you write 2023 still. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I do that all the time. That's a good I'm point, I'm sure the Steve. listeners know, knew what you meant. <laughs> That's right. So, Rob, just a quick commentary on commodities, starting with oil. Oil actually ended the year just under US $72 a barrel. That's WTI, of course, which was down roughly $9 U.S. from the start of 2023. Positive catalysts like recent OPEC cuts and geopolitical tensions continuing were superseded by forecasts for slowing global demand, resulting in that $9 decline in the price. And just quickly, Steve, to touch on gold, gold prices surged briefly, hitting a new record high. And this can be attributed to gold status as a hedge against your aforementioned geopolitical uncertainty, as well as the recent weakening of U.S. dollar and falling U.S. bond yields. And Rob, to wrap up commodities, if you're following natural gas prices at all, we actually saw natural gas prices uh, close the year at around $2.51, which was down almost 50% from a year earlier. Yeah, it makes sense. We had, as everyone knows, a really unseasonably warm fall into winter, although that's changed now. <laughs> That's changed now, and and uh, which will be helpful for the price of natural gas. Right. I guess that's a bit of a trade-off. That's right. Rob, let's move on from commodities and talk a little bit about the markets. Well, let's just go through a few of the indices and talk about the annual return for 2023. And Steve, before you start, I think it's interesting to note as a caveat that as we already mentioned, it really was a huge bull market run the last nine weeks of the year. So heading into the end of October, most of the major indices around the world were flat to slightly negative. Right. So if you're out there and you haven't got your December statement yet, you may not see numbers that reflect similarly to the numbers that we're going to provide. Right. So Rob, let's start here at home with the TSX. The TSX was up in 2023, 8.12%. That was actually after being down 8.66% in 2022. So erase that loss in 2022, for the most part. Turn that frown upside down. That should be my New Year's resolution. That's right. So Steve, I'm going to touch on the U.S. markets, and there's really four markets I'm going to mention. Three are the more well-known ones, which everyone knows about, which is the S&P 500, NASDAQ, and Dow Jones. So the Dow Jones Industrial Average finished the year up 13.7%. That was after being down 8.78% in 2022. The S&P 500, which is the broadly known, the biggest 500 companies in the U.S., so it's really a great barometer of the health of the U.S. economy, finished the year up 24.23% after being down 19.44% last year in 2022. I'm going to get into more depth of, of that return here in a second, Steve. 
Um, the NASDAQ, which is the more technology-heavy index, the uh, the tech companies, which really had a great year in 2023, they were up an amazing 43% last year after being down 33% in 2022. And I also want to quickly mention the Russell 2000 because that expands, goes down, kind of including some of the mid-cap companies in the U.S., so it's the biggest 2,000 companies in the U.S., and that was up 15% in 2023 after being down 21 and a half in 2022. So Rob, I want to talk about some of the overseas markets, but before we do that, we want to make a real key point about the S&P 500 return. You mentioned that it was up 24.23% in 2023. So maybe touch on what that index looks like now and certainly something that investors need to keep in mind if they are an indexer or are using that that index as a benchmark for their portfolio. Stephen, I think that's a great segue too for, I know for those listeners who listen to our year in review wrap up, letter M was the magnificent seven. And so I'm sure a lot of people have heard that term over the course of, of 2022. But really, I think it's a, we're starting out that, that the S&P 500 is a market cap weighted index. So the larger company you are, the more influence you have over the total return of the benchmark. And so when we think of the biggest seven companies by market cap in the world, and everyone's going to know these companies, which are now coined the Magnificent Seven, it's Apple, it's Amazon, it's Alphabet, which is Google, it's Microsoft, it's NVIDIA, it's Meta, which used to be Facebook, and Tesla. The concentration in these seven stocks, it's incredible. They made up 28% of the overall S&P 500 index, but they were up 107% collectively for the year of 2023. So if you think about it, those seven stocks alone up 107 and the index was up 24. Now, if you were to take all 500 companies and put them in what's called an equal weight, so every company of those 500 have the same composition of the index the index was still up nicely but it was only 11.9 versus that 24 so those really the the magnificent seven really drove returns in 2023 and really influenced the overall returns of both the s&p 500 and the nasdaq yeah rob to your point the u.s equity market's rarely been more concentrated than it is today with stocks ranking in the top decile market cap wise accounting for 74 percent of the total u.s equity market capitalization with the Magnificent Seven alone accounting for over $10 trillion. Now, Rob, as I alluded to earlier, heavy concentration certainly adds an extra layer of risk for what they call closet indexers. I, I referenced indexers, but closet indexers. And also, as I suggested earlier, it means that the S&P 500 isn't a great benchmark to use if you're doing, as we often suggest people do, and investing in a diversified portfolio. Yeah, and to that point, Steve, we often talk to investors and clients about how the TSX is actually not the best benchmark either because it's a very, our economy in Canada is very concentrated as well. And it has been a, a very similar composition for a long period of time in a matter of the moves on the market. The financials are about 31% of the index currently. The energies are about 17% and industrials about 14 So really, financials and energy are pretty much half of the composition of the Toronto Stock Exchange. Right, and I feel like we've been talking about that for a very long time, right? Both you and I have been in this industry for a very long time, and that hasn't changed for for many years anyway. And uh, I feel like the S&P 500 
is just kind of moving into that territory more recently where we used to use the S&P 500 as a better benchmark because it was more diversified. Anyway, Rob, times they are changing, I guess, right? And we have to adapt with it, which is what we do. And we look at it now and as it stands today, again, the S&P 500 has changed and we look at it differently than we did even two, three, four, 10, 20 years ago. I feel old when I say that. 20 years ago. It's because you are old. Right? Back in the ticker tape days. <laughs> That's right. Some of you out there may remember the ticker tape days. Others are going, what's a ticker tape? So, Steve, of course, it's the start of a new year. Everyone wants to know what our thoughts are and where the markets are going to go going forward. And, of course, no one has a crystal ball. No one knows. I mean, every economist and analyst out there at the start of 2023 thought they were going into recession. It was going to be a negative year. And it definitely was pointing that direction into the fall. Rob, just as a side note, I did ask for a crystal ball for Christmas, but I didn't get one. <laughs> I got one of those magic eight balls and you shake it. Didn't really give me any bright ideas or answers, though. No. So it didn't work. I think it's defective. That is looking likely. Isn't that one of those? <laughs> That's right. Yeah, something like that. Or highly unlikely was the other one, I think, because the other answer is I always got. Yeah, I don't remember. I know that they were obviously <laughs> something like that. quite general and vague. But... So with the S&P 500 up 20% now, and this is U.S. data, of course, but uh, it still is interesting to note. So going, I did find a great chart. So going back to 1950, there's been 21 times where we've had a gain of 20% or greater on the S&P 500. So what happens next? And amazingly, from those 21 times, 17 times the index was positive the following year and only four times the S&P 500 was negative the next year. On average, there's a gain of about 10%. So 80% higher likely this year, and on average, a gain of 10%. Now, of course, past performance is never indicative of future performance, but still very interesting statistics. So, Rob, you talk about the start of 2024, and one of the things we're seeing already in 2024 is, you know, you've got the S&P 500, and we've talked about seven stocks dominating. There's another 493 companies in that index and we're starting to see some of that spread out a little bit we're seeing money going into some of the sectors that lagged in 2023 things like utilities energy consumer staples and healthcare. of course still you can't turn on the radio without hearing about ai related stocks but we are starting to see a bit of money move around a little bit again into some of those sectors that lagged in 2023 Rob, I want to make sure we talk about some of the overseas markets. We don't want to forget about those. We saw that Hang Seng move uh, was actually down in 2023, down uh, just under 14%. That followed up 2022 when it was down around 15%. The Nikkei 225 was up 28.24%, uh, following 2022 when it was down 9.37. So a good rebound there. Shanghai Composite Index was down 3.7% following 2022 when it was down 15.13. So of the major global indices, we actually saw the Hang Seng and the uh, Shanghai Composite both down, whereas we saw the other major markets up in 2023. And just to touch on a couple quick European indexes that we that get referenced from time to time, Steve, is the FTSE 100, which is the uh, UK exchange. They were up about 3.78% last year after being basically flat in uh, 2022 at 
positive 0.91%. And then the Euro stocks 50, which is similar to the S&P 500 in concept, it's the biggest 50 stocks in the Eurozone. They were up 19.19% last year after being down 11.74 in 2023. So also a nice rally in the Eurozone as well. In 2022, you mean? Yes, sorry. It's 2024, Rob. How many times do I have to keep reminding you? Rob, I want to talk about bond yields. And Rob, I'm sure our listeners want to hear about bond yields as well. Now, I say that in jest a bit, but really, if we look at the last several years, really interest rates, interest rate policy, bond yields, yield curves have really been a big focus, not only in the bond market, but as it's affected the equity markets as well. So important to look at, we actually closed the year on the 10-year Canadian government at 3.11%. That was down 19 basis points uh, in 2023. That followed up 187.4 basis point positive move in 2022. The 10-year U.S. government closed at 3.88%. That was up 0.4 basis points, which followed a move of 236 and a half basis points in 2022. Yeah, Steve, just, I'm sure most people know this, but just in case, a basis point is basically 0.01 of a percent. So when you allude to the fact that the U.S. government bond was 236 basis points higher, that means it was 2.36% higher from where it was at the start of the year. And we talked about a lot in our episodes last year how, and everyone knows this, for two years, central banks have been raising rates aggressively. Now we're hopefully starting to price in the lowering of those rates heading as we head into 2024. Oh, you got the year right this time, Rob. First time for everything. Third time's a charm, as they say. I think it's ingrained in your brain now. You're not going to miss That's it right. anymore <laughs> when you write those checks or, or write the, the date on something. What's a check? <laughs> yeah, we talked about this the other day, too, writing checks. I think I had to write a check the other day, and it took me about three days to find my checkbook. <laughs> and then I had to try and remember how to fill them out. Anyway, that's just an aside. Rob knows the story, so he needed to bring it up for me to share, I guess. Uh, Rob, uh, currency as well, uh, whether you're vacationing and looking at it or had a vacation over Christmas, perhaps, and we're looking at the exchange rate, you're probably looking at currency a little closer. We actually saw the Canadian dollar close at 75 and a half cents to the US dollar. That was up 2.34% after being down 6.75% in 2022. And just in case you're interested in the euro, it was down 0.81% after being down 0.86% in 2022 relative to the Canadian dollar, of course. So basically flat, didn't really do a lot. Right. I think that's a good wrap up, Steve, of uh, equity markets, fixed income markets, currency markets, commodities. We just wanted to give a quick summary as to what happened and where things ended for 2023 relative to 2022. Right. And I think now we look forward to 2024. And as the magic eight ball would say. Oh, you have one. You brought one. with Reply you. hazy. Try again. <laughs> I guess even the magic eight ball doesn't have a crystal ball, Rob. Ooh, I think you should shake it again. I'll shake it again and see what it says. Oh, that's weird. You know what it says? I don't. As always, I'm Stephen Ellis. And I'm Robert Wolfson. And we are... A couple of gents. We'll talk to you again soon.